The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you, so call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me at Jim Kramer. If you want to sum up today's terrific action in one single word, that word would be jailbreak. This incredibly bullish market's bursting through brick walls like the Kool-Aid man, sector after sector. Dow surging 323 points today. S&P jumping 0.58%. NASDAQ, wow, new record, plus 6.9. S&P new record. NASDAQ new record. It's in to do that. Hey, maybe you can't judge a book by its cover, okay? Uh, but, but you can absolutely judge a market by what's up the most. And right now, this market's screaming that everything's working. Not one sector, not another, but everything. Yep, I call it a jailbreak because pretty much everyone was let loose today. Instead of the usual I win, you lose pattern that has bedeviled so much of the action of late. Let me pick out one particular moment, one glorious particular moment. It was a, in today's session. It was that second when President Biden was whispering about paying people more. Okay, you got that? The surprise infrastructure bill is bipartisan compromise that everyone had given up on. Okay, you know what I mean? That'll demonstrate it. Okay, so let's go to work. I need, uh, hey, look, I'm a stock whisperer. What was up the most at that moment? That's enough with the, with the, the uh, well, whatever. Number one, Eli Lilly. Today, the FDA gave fast-track designation to Lilly's Alzheimer's drug. This one's huge because we heard lots of grumbling in the medical community uh, after Biogen got FDA approval for its more, its more controversial Alzheimer's treatment. Now, I know CEO Dave Ricks came on this show not long ago and predicted this, but then we got some seemingly discouraging data, and the stock got pulverized. Lilly's now up more than 50 bucks, 5-0, from its lows a couple of months ago, including a monster $15.87 gain just today on this news. More importantly, this news tells me that the FDA will be fast-tracking many more drugs. It's a brand-new FDA, which means you can pay more for the entire pharmaceutical industry right here, right now. It's a fantastic fact. The FDA has gotten easier. Second biggest winner, Tesla. 
Yeah, a market led by Tesla is a winning market, a market where big growth is back. The stock's been in the doghouse ever since it spiked after joining the S&P 500 earlier this year. Now Tesla's on the move again. And I can see a long runway here because it looks like their competitors still aren't ready for prime time. Goes higher. Watch, it'll start a little bit in the morning. It'll be up, I'll be up at 3.30 while walking you through it. It's just to myself. I, I like to do the show to myself when I work out. Next up, United Rentals and Caterpillar. They've both been lagging because Wall Street had given up on infrastructure and started worrying about a slower economy. But when you get nearly $580 billion in new spending, that gives the industry a huge boost. United Rentals has been a fit. That's a fantastic business. It's a nationwide roll-up of equipment rental outfits. As for Caterpillar, CEO Jim Mumpleby is running a company with incredible discipline, no compromises. He's the first cat CEO I can remember who speaks of the shareholders in the same breath as the dealers and the customers. Oh, and those higher steel prices that everybody's worried about. Will you give me a break? Cat's got so much demand with such a great branding that they can pass off the, through the, the cost to the customers. All right, now here's an insane one, but again, it speaks to how broad this rally is. Darden, yeah, think about, uh, about Olive Garden. Now get this. Uh, I thought restaurants were supposed to have inflation problems, labor shortage headaches. I mean, this is when everything's supposed to be so bad, right? Well, it looks like what we really have is more important, a last man standing scenario. That's my takeaway from Darden's quarter. So many of Olive Garden's competitors went under that it's the new champion by default. Olive Garden's nearly back to even with 2019 pre-pandemic levels. That's amazing. Longhorn Steakhouse was up 13 percent versus 2019. To me, this link of the chain was the layup of the lineup that even Ben Simmons could make. My Longhorn has great service. And by the way, an absolutely killer Bloody Mary. I am not kidding. Not to mention pretty decent steaks and pretty good uh, taters. You know, even my critical wife liked it. Left a big tip. 28 percent. Why not? Sixth biggest winner at the time of Biden's speech. When the federal government passes a big infrastructure package, you're going to need rocks and aggregates to build new roads. So Vulcan Materials came on strong. Another stock that had been crushed of late because the cyclicals had gone out of style and nobody expected this compromise bill. Shocker. Seven. Well, you've got to love a market where Align Technologies is near the top. This is the company behind Invisalign braces. We've heard endlessly about new competitors coming in to challenge Align's dominance, but where the heck are those challengers? Have you seen them? I haven't, honestly. I debate getting fitted for these, and I already had braces once. But you know what's really good for them? Demasking. That's my term for not wearing masks. Demasking. Clever. Eighth. Oh, how much do I love seeing Wells Fargo on this list? Ah, top 10. Today, we got the results of the government's uh, stress test uh, with all banks passing. On Monday, banks will reveal their capital return plans. You know what's going to have the best one? It's going to be Wells Fargo. It's going to be Charlie Sharp. This one is the most to gain. If they get the green light, they can do a huge buyback. Maybe repurchasing as much as 13% of the, of the company. You have to hope this stock goes down tomorrow. Wells absolutely deserves its spot in the top 10. We need a bank in there to round the group out. I believe this will be the biggest percentage winner, which is why it is such an outsized position for my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Then there are the last two, the two that confirmed that this really was a market-wide jailbreak. Corvo and Skyworks Solutions, the semiconductor companies. For For weeks now, this market has lacked semi-leadership with the exception of NVIDIA. Did you know that NVIDIA the second bit me yesterday? I took it as a sign of strength. 
But I wanted Corvo and Skyworks on the list because they're cell phone chip makers. And without them, you're not going to see the rest of tech rally beyond Bang! And the letter A, the second one, not the first one, which is, they, well, they were both not doing great. But I'm telling you, Apple is going to react to these. The stock of Apple. Don't forget, I mean, you know, Katie Uber raised her uh, price target by $1, but that's key. That's a signal. She's signaling. Buy Apple. Buy Apple. So uh, what do we what do we got here? All right. We got drug. We got high growth. We got tech. We got infrastructure. We got dining, vanity, bank, cell phone chips. Ooh, la la. The definition of opportunity in a wide, good breath market. What makes this list so important? Simple. For months, this market's been zero sum. Either the boom and bust cyclicals were winning or the slowdown stocks. Remember, always been, oh, it's a value market. It was a, it's really just a growth market. I mean, who are those people? Occasionally, it's been a market led by oil, which is bad for pretty much everybody outside the energy space. These rallies weren't jailbreaks. They were just selective pro-lease from the bear house. The reason, until today, we had given up on the federal government doing anything else to bolster the economy beyond the latest COVID stimulus package, which is about to run out. All that's left will be a bountiful child tax credit, which is great and should be a total gift for the usual retail suspects. Target, Walmart, which has really been awful. My travel trust owns I got to own that. American Eagle Outfitters, you know, and, and then Costco, which is just to the moon. That's some, no, that now means that it's pumping up or something. Beyond that, It looked like we weren't getting any more help from the feds. But today's infrastructure news makes you feel like maybe our government can govern. That alone is a major price earnings multiple enhancer. We've gotten so used to partisan rancor that I've given up on the federal government giving us any good news for the foreseeable future other than, uh, well, I don't know, that stimulus package. And that seemed to be it. Then today we get a beneficent FDA and an infrastructure bill that's a surprise with lots of money for roads, buildings, and construction equipment. Earlier this week, I said that we're in a benign moment. There's little news. Uh, Lots of time on our hands to wait for the next big catalyst, a time of tremendous opportunity. I used that word 10 times, opportunity. For weeks, that meant we only reacted to the Fed including Friday's comments from a non-voting Fed official about the need to tighten more aggressively to stamp out inflation. But how many times can you sell stocks because of rising freight costs? I mean, really? Does everything really have to come down because of these supply chain issues? It's too good a time, people, to consider everything to be so negative. you got to stop that. With the Fed finally out of the picture for a few days, we finally get a huge catalyst in the form of this infrastructure bill. I will not be bearish. Now, tomorrow is a Russell rebalancing. We don't know what's going to happen. It could be terrible, like a similar rebalancing from last week. We know that some money will have to come out of a bunch of stocks to pay for the meme pump and dies. Meme stocks could cause a decline. But the bottom line right now, I think any decline will be bought because this is a positive, opportunistic moment, people. And there are many who want to put their money to work. Oh, by the way, it doesn't hurt that Dow stock Nike reported a great number after the bell. Today's jailbreak shows you the bulls are still in charge, whether it be a new drug that's a blockbuster or a last man standing restaurant or cell phones or a challenge bank or straightened teeth. I'll take it all. Mike in Wisconsin. Mike. (laughs) Jim Kramer in wherever you are. Okay, here's my quick question. They told me to make it quick. Okay, well, you know, sometimes they're like that in their phone room. They can be very curt with people. Actually, they're like the (laughs) nicest people in the world. And they brought me some really good food today and three oatmeal raisin cookies. Ah, what's going on? Gilead. I bought it about eight years ago. I paid $90 a share. Uh, It went up uh, two years later to $120. 
and now it's been maintaining around $68 a share. What am I going to do? Am I going to Mike, I don't like Gilead. My... I just don't like Gilead. I mean, I got like a million stocks that I like, maybe like 1.6 million. But I just don't like Gilead. And I, I got to tell you, Mike, 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 it's just not one that the chill man wants you to be in. Can I go to, I'm going to mispronounce this name, but you don't have to deal with my mayor accent. But yes, that's right. I do speak just like Kate Winslet. Purry in New York. Purry. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Thanks for uh, the long hours and the hard work. Thank you. Hey, tomorrow, 3.15, the alarm goes, because I like to be up earlier than those people from that YOLO thing. The bets thing. What are they betting on? Raindrops? Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, I'm asking about, thinking about Barrett Gold. Oh, you're thinking right. I like gold as a hedge. I like uh, Ethereum as a hedge. I think if you're going to own one, you should own Barrick because uh, uh, Mark Bristow is real smart. All right. Listen to me. Any decline will be bought in this opportunistic moment. And today's jailbreak shows you their buying power. Have you ever seen a more diversified portfolio than this one? Oh, man, tonight. Could an investment in the great outdoors be just what your portfolio is after this summer? I'm going to sit down with the CEO of Vista Outdoors to find out what's ahead for the company. Then two in center, but only one leaves. Don't miss an epic showdown over the fate of tease. I won't tell you. And as workers head back to the office post-pandemic, could the stock of Starbucks see a jolt? I'm going to have a triple 50 cappuccino with skin wet while we talk to the CEO. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is 
constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now that the world's going back to normal, what do we do with the great outdoor stocks? Some of these have just been, uh, they've been hammered, like the RV and motorhome place, but others seem downright unstoppable. Take Vista Outdoor, which makes all sorts of outdoor consumer products for action sports, grilling, and hiking, not to mention the sports shooting business, where they sell a great deal of ammunition. It's no coincidence that the stock has doubled since we first spoke to the CEO back in November. That was right around election time, because any time there's a Democrat in the White House, gun aficionados start stockpiling ammunition. Well, look, that's a major source of the story. There's no doubt about it. But really, it's only part of it. Right now, Vista Outdoor is firing on all cylinders. Their most recent quarter was spectacular. And last month, management held an incredibly bullish investor day that sent the stock into the stratosphere. The best part, well, this is running substantially. Do you know this thing only still sells at 12 times earnings? I'm tired of hearing people say there are no cheap stocks out there. And... I think it's worth examining even at its 52-week high. So let's check in with Chris Metz. He's the CEO of Vista Outdoor to get a better sense of where his company is headed. Mr. Metz, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Feels good to be back on and uh, good to hear your voice. Oh, thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. You know, I'm, I'm torn about your stock. I really feel that had there not been so many new entrants into hunting, an extraordinary amount of hunting licenses, I would have seen a balance that would have made people say, you know what? This is the equivalent of Dick's or Cabela's. Let's get on board. But the fact is, you have so many people who want ammunition that it can tend to overwhelm the rest of the company. It's hey, Jim, there's no question about it. The you know, the the, the secret within our company, and it's not really a secret because it's all public, is our outdoor products business had a record year. We were up 25 percent on the top line last year and uh, the demand continues. I mean, we we can't um, fill all of the demand that sits there in the marketplace today. So as much as our shooting sports and our ammunition business just continues to grow um, and it's fueled also by the Remington acquisition we made last year, but our outdoor products business, whether it be cooking or, or biking or um, uh, golfing, any of the products that we produce, we, we can't produce enough of them. Now we've had a couple of companies on uh, that are outdoor companies that, uh, I'll give you two names, Thor and Brunswick. I happen to love both their products. Somehow people decided their products are going to be too cyclical and not do well. The fact is you sell a lot of things that aren't that expensive but are of the highest quality. So it's that mosaic perhaps that has made it so that your stock keeps roaring while others have have sold? Jim, I think that's part of it, right? I think there's part of it that, you know, we play in – in cyclicality, but we're also a counter-cyclical stock. So right. you think about if uh, if we were to go into a recessionary period or what have you, uh, p- people can afford our products uh, versus buying an RV or a boat or, or what have you. Uh, but a lot of what drives uh, our um, success recently is the new product innovation. I could I could go through a a, a litany of uh, products that we've introduced that are industry first products. Uh, I, I mentioned the Wingman and Golf. We're just introducing a different version of that for the rugged outdoor industry. Uh, we've got all sorts of innovation in uh, Giro. With we've got a, a new motocross moto helmet that 
yeah, we, we sold out all of our product within a few minutes of, of, of introducing it. So it's, um, it's really new product innovation and, um, and, and frankly, our efforts online to connect with the millennials and the younger generation that are buying our products for the first time, it, it's driving a lot of sales that I think other companies may not be capturing. Also, Chris, I would tell you when I look at your uh, mosaic, you have a bunch of companies whose brands are actually bigger than their sales. For instance, I look at Camelback and then I look at Yeti. And frankly, I like the Camelback brand name every bit as I like Yeti, and yet Yeti just keeps growing and growing. It's a little crazy. I have your, your bike helmets, okay? They mean safety to me. Jiro means safety to me. I think of that as being a safety product. I'd like to see other safety products with that brand. You said you're active at M&A. Could you take other products and run them through those fabulous brand names and really expand them? We, we, we certainly can, Jim. And, and, you know, acquisitions is going to be a big part of our value proposition going forward. We, we've closed on our fourth acquisition in the last six months, uh, we're generating three to four hundred million of cash flow a year. We're in the mid to high teens in EBITDA margins, and our conversion of that EBITDA to cash is terrific. And to your point, those platform brands we have, I I walked in three and a half years ago and really enabled um, our people to do what they do best. And so we're just starting to get momentum. So to your point, as much as our stock is um, has grown and, and we're appreciative for that. I think we're just in the beginning innings of this. Everything that I can see, what we're capable of doing with these brands, we haven't unleashed the full power of it yet. So we're going to continue to look to do tuck-in acquisitions for these great brands we have. But we're also going to explore categories like with the Quiet Cat acquisition, where we um, license the Jeep brand exclusively. We're in a category of e-bikes, which is the fastest category in the entire outdoor space. So we want to leverage our great brands, but we want to add more great brands to the stable of uh, enviable brands we have today. And how important, last question, uh, should we be thinking about federal contracts for ammo? Because I'm sure there's some people who say, you know what, the reason why I'm afraid to buy the stock is that contract could go away to somebody else. Oh, goodness gracious, Jim. That's a reason to buy us. We we own 80% of the uh, police precinct uh, uh, volume today. We, we knocked down more contracts on a federal basis than and any of our competitors. And, and that gives us uh, a little bit of stability in top line. So when you have the best relationships from a commercial standpoint, which, which we do and, and, and why we're leaders, I, I think it only adds to the uh, story of why to buy Vista. And it doesn't detract it in any way. All right. That's terrific. You know, we've been behind your stock and I think at 12 times earnings, we have to not just pound the table again. You've done a terrific job. Chris Met, CEO of Vista Outdoor. Always great to have you on the show, sir. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Jim. Good to be back. When people tell me there are no inexpensive stocks, I am going to say, have you looked at Vista Outdoor? They have money's back in. Coming up, can this new age motor stock help you achieve Carvana? Kramer takes the wheel next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. get a better read on a market that is completely obsessed with inflation. Easy. We take a closer look at what's driving that inflation, which brings us to used cars. When we got a blazing hot consumer price index number last month, up 4.2 percent, do you know that roughly a third of that came from used cars and trucks? We know exactly where that's coming from. Right now, Americans have a voracious appetite for automobiles, part of the big exodus from the cities to the suburbs or the country. Why, you know, I like the stock of Ford so much. But because of the semiconductor shortage, the automakers haven't been able to ramp up production. In other words, there's a vehicle shortage with used cars and trucks making up the difference. If you got what got what have one, you'll buy it used. But there are signs that the dynamic could be changing. And this is important, people. My sources in the industry, and they're darn good, have told me that the chip shortage is beginning to abate which is good news for these automakers and potentially bad news for the used car plays. Most people don't have the information I have. I am telling you, I have a beat on this. And then we got the mid-June readout for a very important index called the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index. And that showed some stabilization after rising dramatically for four straight months. Stabilizes is often a precursor to going down. All this came to a head yesterday when Carvana, the web-based used car retailer and arguably the biggest beneficiary from this particular bull market in used cars, got hit with a pair of dueling analyst reports. Here's a stock that has surged from $22 at its lows last month during the depths of the COVID crash all the way to 315 at its highs yesterday before a pullback to 304 today. You can make so much money from stocks. Drives me crazy that someone says, listen, if you don't, if you can never make money in anything other than an index fund. Look at this Carvana. But from here on out, I think it might be different. Carvana's hostage to the fate of the broader used car market. If you think that business looks good, it's still worth owning. If you think used car prices could calm down, then maybe it's not. Which brings me to these dueling analyst reports. First, J.P. Morgan downgraded Carvana from overweight to neutral. That in English is buy to hold. Although they kept their price target unchanged at 325. Would have been more meaningful had they cut it to 300. Then Jeffries reiterated its buy rating and then raised its price target from 375 to 400. I like these contrasts as a way to be able to understand the way stocks work. Whenever we get a pair of contrasting calls about a single stock, I like to take a closer look, especially when the business is actually important to the broader market. Right now, used cars are very important. But before we pit these analysts against each other in some sort of steel cage death match, let me give you some background. I've been pounding the table on this Carvana for the last 13 months, ever since I noticed the counter-urban trade and realized the whole auto industry would get a huge boost from the pandemic. This company's always been a fabulous grower. They had 104% revenue growth in the first quarter. And while they're still losing money, the margins have been steadily improving for years, and they lose money in order to be able to dominate. And I'm game with that. In short, this is an incredibly well-run company. We've had them on many times with a terrific concept and great numbers. Of course, when the hypergrowth stocks were selling off, Carvana did tumble from 323 to 220 in a matter of months. But ever since that whole group bottomed in mid-May, more on that later, this thing's been skyrocketing. In fact, it's already back above 300. Now, what about yesterday's dueling analyst reports? Why don't we just start with the bearish one, right? Uh, The downgrade from J.P. Morgan. 
In fairness, as downgrades go, this wasn't particularly negative. It's more of a valuation call. Carvana's within 20 points of J.P. Morgan's price target, so the guy's being disciplined. These analysts decided to declare victory. I'm all in favor of that because they think the upside's going to be more limited going forward. That's good analytical judgment. Why did they say, though, that it's going to be more limited? Some of that's simply due to the law of large numbers. Carvana's had a monster run. But J.P. Morgan also had some thoughts on the state of the used vehicle market. They're focused on the key metric here, which is the gross profit per unit, how much Carvana keeps from the average used car sale. As these analysts see it, these numbers are already peaking. In particular, they've run channel checks with, with other used car retailers, and what they're seeing is an increasingly competitive market. They also talk about how used car prices tend to ease during the second half of the year. Given how much Carvana's run, well, you can understand why the analysts at J.P. Morgan are feeling less bullish. Of course, on the same day, Jeffries comes in and raises price target 375 to 400. Part of a broader sector call, though. Jeffries is much more sanguine about the state of the used car business. So I'm going to quote this. We believe higher pricing is being driven by tight supply across the used car industry combined with strong demand. Our analyst implies, our analysis implies there's roughly $3,300 in upside to vehicle pricing, end quote, which translates into higher than expected earnings. I question that, but reasonable people can disagree. Plus, Carvana's a digital used car retailer. Everything's done over the Internet. And Jeffries points out that the web traffic was up 106 percent in May. While those percentages should slow going forward based on more difficult comparisons, this still has a very strong correlation with the number of vehicles that Carvana sells. So who's right? I got to tell you, I'm actually I'm, I'm actually leaning toward these guys. And, you know, I'm very bullish. OK, but I'm leaning toward J.P. Morgan's slightly more bearish perspective in part because it seems more forward-looking than the more bullish analysis from Jeffries. While Jeffries has data that confirms the strength of the current quarter, and I like that, we already knew those numbers would be fabulous. And given the stock's recent run, a decent chunk of that is already baked in. Plus, when you look closely at the Jeffries numbers, it sure looks like April was better than May, which was better than June. That's called cadence, and the cadence of the quarter is going in the wrong direction. That jives with what I've heard from the rest of the industry. Don't get me wrong. I still think Carvana is a great long-term story, and I never recommend shorting the stock. But if you owned it for this terrific run, maybe agree with J.P. Morgan and take some off the table as uh, used car sales are showing signs of slowing in price increases. Think of it like this. In a market that suddenly loves the hypergrowth stocks again, do you really want to own the one hypergrowth stock that's tied so tightly to inflation and the failure of the semiconductor industry to make enough full-featured chips when they're starting to make a lot of them? The bottom line. Carvana's come roaring back, but this is the rare turbocharged growth name that's actually somewhat hostage to the broader economy. I love Carvana, used it, thought it was great. But if another analyst comes out and says, you know what, used cars are weakening in price or may weaken in price, I think you can get the stock a heck of a lot cheaper. Let's go to Connie in Washington, please. Connie. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Connie. From beautiful, beautiful Muckleteal, Washington. I'm a first-time caller and a long-time listener and a member of the Actions Alerts Plus. Jimmy Chell, thanks you. Thanks you for being a member of the club. Thank you. How can I help? You're, you're welcome. With Shopify heading into its annual developers conference and its recent run-up hitting an all-time high, do you recommend adding to my current position, holding, or selling? I think it goes up, Connie. I think it goes up. I think that meeting, that United meeting is going to be bullish. 
I, the numbers coming out of Shopify are just insanely good. I think you've got a great one, Connie. You know we owned it for Action Alerts. We sold it too soon, but we made a profit. You can never kick yourself over profit, just the losses. But thank you for being a member of the club. And Shopify, I think, goes higher. Carvana's come roaring back, but I think this company is a little more hostage to the broader economy than I like right now and to the semiconductor industry, which tends to reinvent itself. If you've owned it for this amazing run, nobody will get angry if you took some off the table. Much more mad money at as Starbucks welcomes more customers back after a year of isolation. I'll find out if people are itching for a coffee break when I sit down with the CEO. And there's a lot of revelations. How about the word revelations coming? I'm revealing what triggered the torrid rotation most didn't see coming later on in the show. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of, if I can talk correctly, the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. Can we please take a moment to appreciate the fact that the world is finally going back to normal? I never thought I'd be so excited about business as usual. For example, after more than a year of only filling takeout and delivery orders, Starbucks has finally started welcoming its customers back inside its stores. They're even letting people bring their reusable cups again, which sounds like a little thing. But you have to remember, there's a coffee cup shortage, and of course, we want to be good to the earth. I'm loving this return to normalcy, so let's take a closer look with Kevin Johnson. He's the president of Starbucks. Learn more about what he calls the great human reconnection. Mr. Johnson, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, I'm vaccinated, caffeinated, and it's great to be with you and the crew at CNBC today. Well, I couldn't agree more about being with you. I don't think anyone really has the pulse around the world about what it's like to reopen than you. You're all over the world. You're great in the United States. You're in China. You're in Europe. What is it like to, to work and sell and be a customer? Give me the whole panoply of the reconnection. I tell you, you know, after, uh, after a year, year and a half of uh, sort of living uh, in isolation through this pandemic, all of humanity is ready to reconnect. And, uh, you know, we see that happening certainly right here in the United States, but it's happening in, in markets around the world. And it is fantastic. And so uh, we expect this is just going to continue to unfold in a positive way as more and more people on the planet get vaccinated. And uh, Starbucks is here to serve. And our partners are rising to the occasion. Customers want to be a part of a community again and, and uh, you know, come back to the familiar experiences they had pre-pandemic. And uh, we're open and we're ready for business. As more and more areas get vaccinated, do we actually see better same-store sales, in, uh, better than even 2019? Yeah, we do, Jim. In fact, here's, we've studied this, and here's what, uh, what is unfolding in, in markets around the world, and we saw this in the United States. As soon as we got to between 35 and 40% of adults vaccinated, the government started to ease restrictions, and it was immediate. Consumer mobility uh, shot through the roof. And so we started seeing traffic increasing in our stores, and certainly, uh, you know, we'd shared even last quarter uh, that we were having a, a positive two-year comp, fairly strong positive two-year comp as we exited last quarter, and that continues to unfold. We now see that happening in Mexico. We're starting to see that happen in Europe. It's unfolding. So every market around the world is going to see exactly what the United States has experienced here over the last 90 days. All right, so I look, the press tries to put a negative spin on the tent. There's a cup shortage. I look at it a different way. You've got reusable cups, which are great for the planet, and maybe that'll help you with, uh, with the paper cup issue. Where are we really in this cup shortage? 
Well, Jim, there's no cup shortage at Starbucks. I don't know how that story got uh, got started, but we've got uh, plenty of, of our hot cups and our cold cups. And as you said, we just reintroduced uh, reusable cups uh, that we had, had paused during the pandemic for, for safety reasons. But, uh, you know, customers are back in our stores. Demand is strong and we've got plenty of cups uh, to serve them. All right, so Kevin, I was speaking to a couple of CEOs in retail, and they all expressed a, a, a point that it's become really hard to work in retail uh, because people have got angry and people are on edge and people are like vax, no vax. Are, your, are the baristas, are your associates in general having a lot of churn? Are they leaving or are they staying? Well, Jim, candidly, the, the retention that we've had with our, our Green Apron partners here at Starbucks has increased. Wow. And the reason retention has increased is, I believe, we took care of our partners through this pandemic. We did, we did no involuntary layoffs or furloughs. We gave all of our partners economic certainty. We leaned into this and, and gave a significant wage increase uh, at the beginning of this calendar year. We're preparing to do another one. And so, you know, look, we don't take for granted uh, how hard these jobs are. But I tell you, I am so proud of, of my Starbucks partners in the stores. They have risen to the occasion, and we're going to continue to take care of them. Let's shoot down another canard. Uh, press says you have, because of the pandemic, there's an inability to be creative. Have you stopped being creative in your drinks? Well, Jim, I, I, I think if you look at the demand for some of our, our, our newest beverage platforms we've, we've introduced, you know, we're seeing phenomenal uh, customer reception to, to those new beverages. I think you just take the uh, shaken iced espresso beverages where, mm-hmm. where we've launched here in the, last, uh, in the last few months. Phenomenal reception by customers. So, uh, you know, we're pretty excited. And we see customers more and more customizing and creating their own beverages. And uh, because we're in the business of, of handcrafted beverages personalized for each and every customer, I think there's a tremendous amount of innovation that, uh, that has come to Starbucks, and uh, our customers are a part of it. How are we doing throughput? We don't want those long lines at the airports. I know there's a franchise. We don't want long lines anywhere. And there's open space in retail. Can we get more Starbucks so we wait less? Well, you know, Jim, we're going through trade area transformation, which, which means we are, re, we are in the process of repositioning about 600 stores in the United States. And we're well into that. And, you know, in many cases, that means where we, we've got a store that maybe could, could be relocated to better serve the community of customers. Uh, we're, we've, we've made those moves. And so that is creating uh, more opportunity for us to serve customers. It's, it's enabling us to elevate the customer experience. You know, but that said, the volume of, of customers coming into our stores is a record. Wow. And so, you know, we are we are doing everything we can to ensure we are, we're serving those customers in a timely fashion. Certainly, you know, drive through mobile order. But now with our cafes open, customers are in the stores and they're loving it. Um, I just got to get back to this. There are no shortages within the supply chain of, of Starbucks. I mean, I don't want to think the press is completely wrong. Right. Any shortage? No, we have no shortage of cups, no shortage of coffee. Uh, our supply chain in our breakfast sandwiches and some items in the bakery case, you know, they have had to, to ramp up staffing. And so we've had some shortages in the bakery okay. case. That certainly is true. But uh, you look at what we've done over the last couple of months to, to really get us in a much better position. Uh, and you just think about it. When you turn, turn this on so rapidly, it really tests the elasticity of the supply chain. And if there's right. one area that uh, we've been focused on, it's it's our supply uh, partners who assemble breakfast sandwiches and some of the food items in our bakery case. That's but, where we've seen some. some one last question. Uh, 
I've always regarded you and your predecessor as being the best kind of ambassadors we have to the United States. If there are countries that you feel do not have religious freedom, like China, how can you influence them maybe to be better actors? Well, Jim, look, we operate in 84 markets around the world. And, uh, you know, specific to China, we've been in China now over 20 years. And I think the most important thing we do is when we show up in a market and we show up in China, we have built Starbucks in China for China. Okay. So we hire talented people. We, we, uh, we leverage the artisan craftsmen who build our stores. We're helping coffee farmers in Yunnan. And I think by leading by example of how we can uh, take care of all stakeholders, starting with our partners, the customers we serve, the communities we're a part of, you know, we think that leading by example influences other businesses to do the same. And by doing that, we hope to make the world a better place. Well, you always have. You and your predecessor, Howard Schultz. I've got to always give him credit. He doesn't get enough, and we know that. Kevin Johnson, Starbucks president and CEO, congratulations on the reopening and human connection. We all need it. It's always great to see you. Thank you, Jim. All right, that's Kevin Johnson. And, the, boy, I've got to tell you, that is a message. A, that is a, one positive message. And, of course, a correction of the media who has to find something negative about one of the greatest companies we have in the country, Starbucks. SBUX going hard. Man, money's back in for break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time. And then the lightning rounds over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, tell the lightning round goes over. Susan in New York. Susan! Jimmy, irreplaceable and unflappable chill. Great to talk to you. Been watching and listening to you for decades. We won't go there. Back in September, you had made a recommendation relative to Verizon uh, for yield. It's been trading in a very, you know, very narrow range, which is fine. I just want to know what your thoughts are, just keeping it to the four point plus yield. Verizon? I hear that the quarter is going to be better than expected. I think that they're doing a, good, a lot of business with Apple. I want to buy the stock of Verizon. Gail in Ohio. Gail. Hey, Jim. What's up? Thank you for taking my call tonight. Absolutely. And also for your tip several years ago on Ross. Uh, but tonight, I'd like to ask for your opinion on Greenbox, POS. You know, it's still one more uh, mobile application, free wallet. Here's what I tell you. I say that that means you should buy PayPal. I think PayPal is the the winner. I want to own best of breed. Let's go to John in Florida. John. Yeah, hi, Jim. It's John Kay in Dunedin, Florida. Hey, John. How you been? All right. It's been a while. How you been, Jim? Way too long. I'm doing okay, thank you. What's happening? Well... The stock I'm interested in, Jim, is uh, view. I believe I believe it's pronounced Vuzix, V-U-Z-I-X, symbol V-U-Z-I. Yeah, optical, 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 optical. Too hard for me. I have to do work on that optical. Th- a billion dollar company. Got to learn more. How about we go to Catherine in New York? Catherine. Hi, Jim. Thank Ka- you so much for your wisdom. Ah, you're really nice. Thank you. I uh, mostly am invested in big tech, saying 
and uh, my biggest holdings are Amazon and NVIDIA, and I thought I should have some variety, so I recently bought some KMI. Do you think? I think KMI is good. They're not going to be able to build a lot of pipelines because the president doesn't want them. Therefore, that makes me feel the scarcity value, and I think you should be buying KMI. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, stay modest, Kramerica. A rotation is a humbling animal. But Kramer can help you tame it. Next. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus, special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. in the middle of uh, one of these sector rotations where one group keeps roaring and another group gets plastered, it always feels like it's hard to believe, right? Uh, until it's almost over, at least, at which point everyone starts acting like the winners are unstoppable. Then you look back a few weeks later and kick yourself for buying the industrials at the top or for steering clear of the super growth stocks near the bottom. Yet a month and a half ago, the rotation into the industrials ended and a new rotation into super growth stocks got rolling. Yet no one seemed to talk about it or even notice it. Don't believe me? Why don't you take a look at the recent action in these stocks, in Snowflake, DocuSign, CrowdStrike, not to mention Square, Tesla, PayPal, Zscaler. Same goes for Roku, Bumble, AppLovin, which we talked about last night, Trade Desk, the streaming video advertising play that saw its stock surge another 16% on some bullish news from Google. They're delaying their new privacy policy that would make it harder for advertisers to track your behavior online. When you look at all these hyper-growth names, you'll see a bunch of stocks that have been stuck in a hideous decline before they bottomed right around May, May 12th. May 12th. Since then, they've been on a relentless run higher. So you sit back and you say, okay, what happened? I went into the Wall Street Journal. They enabled you to look back. I said, what the heck happened May 12th? You know what happened May 12th? It wasn't the pandemic. It wasn't politics. It wasn't earnings. No, what happened was we got the hottest CPI number since 2008, a bonafide Barn burner of 4.2%, which made a lot of money managers freak out about inflation. Never mind that one-third of that increase came solely from used cars and trucks, the biggest price increase since we started collecting these numbers in 1953. More importantly, this CPI figure convinced the big institutions that no matter what he said, Jay Powell will have to change his easy money attitude in order to tamp down on seemingly out of control inflation. Yet these money managers did a two-step. They decided to vote against Powell that very day. They, they bet that he'd have to fold by raising interest rates sooner than expected. When the Fed's about to tighten, the Wall Street playbook says you need to sell the boom and bust cycle, cyclicals and buy the kind of stocks that thrive during a slowdown, like the supercharged growth names. That's what spurred the rotation. Yes, a one-two punch. Raise rates, recession, buy high growth. 
I know I certainly didn't see it coming. I thought the big jump in the cybersecurity stocks could be explained by the Colonial Pipeline hack. Nearly shut down the supply of gasoline to the East Coast. I never dreamed those stocks were roaring because hedge funds had fallen in love with expensive secular growth plays again that sell at a multiple to sales, not earnings. The initial inch up in Zoom and DocuSign, I wrote them off as collateral buying from the Delta COVID variant. Maybe people were worried about another lockdown. Frankly, I had an answer for every single one of these tech stocks that bottomed on May 12th. Everyone! Because I didn't want to believe that Jay Powell was wrong. I still don't think he's wrong. Many of these inflationary pressures have already started to abate. But I did misjudge the power of Wall Street groupthink. Remember, in the short to medium term, it's the big institutional money managers who control stock prices. They're the marginal buyers and sellers. And most of these people are convinced, rightly or wrongly, that the Fed will have to slam the brakes on the economy in order to tamp down inflation ahead of when people think, even if that results in horrific crash landing, that would benefit these companies. It is sobering to look back at that moment, because if you read the accompanying stories, you would have seen endless insights about growth versus value, how this market loved value as much as it hated growth. It loved the cyclicals, the industrials, smokestacks. Of course, value is always code for the cyclicals, right? And that's exactly when they peaked, right as the hyper-growth stocks came roaring back. The headlines those last few days around that May 12th were all about how you had to own the industrials. The thing about rotations, though, is that they're temporary. Once they start to feel permanent, that's often a sign the move is coming to an end. So if the April Consumer Price Index triggered this current rotation into junior growth tech stocks, maybe the June CPI can reverse it, assuming it shows that inflation is calming down. But the bigger point is that the market is a humbling animal. Hardly anyone saw this coming. I never heard a soul argue that the CPI would cause such a power rotation into these stocks. Yet that's exactly what happened, as you can tell from the charts. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.